Welcome to the Making Laps Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Making Laps Podcast. I am your host, Brent Gleason. Alongside me is my co-host and brother, Jesse Gleason. Salutations. And with us on the line, as usual, is our Florida connection, Phil Jakes. Where are you? Yo. I'm, I'm so sorry. I cannot sleep. I cannot <laughs> What the hell is that? You're not going to play it again, are Why you? Why did you stop it? <laughs> It, that was the end of the I mean, video. That was the end of it because wow. it was a YouTube short that somebody did, and it was horrible. <laughs> I kind of wanted to hear more. I did too. <laughs> I can't find any. Yeah, more. they just they didn't they didn't record any more than that, which Good is dis- yeah, it's disappointing. <laughs> so, welcome back to it's all a quickie of- because this is going to be another packed show. So, oh <laughs> uh, yeah, three hour expedition. Yeah, we welcome. are well that, and we are making our return back to YouTube. To all our YouTube uh, listeners or watchers over there. Yeah. I was expecting something a little bit more uh, down our street. Something a lot more uh, goofy, I guess. But anyway, that was nice. Um, I was waiting for a nuke drop. <laughs> ear rape or a flute that's out of tune. Yeah. That's usually our style. But welcome back to our YouTube crowd. Uh, where you been? We are available on every major podcast platform, and if you watch us on YouTube, you could definitely push a little purple icon on your phone or something that says podcast on your phone, because I don't think they make cell phones that aren't smartphones anymore, so you probably have it on there. Brent, it's not personal. Calm yourself. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, it's okay. I need you to remain calm. Well, Can you still kinda... get Obama phones, or are those smartphones, too? You're calm. I know you're calm. You mean like uh, burner phones or drug dealer phones? Yeah. I don't know what they are. I never was poor enough to have that. Maybe back in the eighties and nineties, or 90s enterprising I would be. enough. Well, maybe back in the eighties and nineties, we probably would have been able to, but they didn't have cell phones like that back then. Pagers. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I definitely didn't. They have sell a pager. burner phones and stuff at Walmart. I mean, at yeah, Walmart and Dollar General. Really? Or yeah, or Piggly Wiggly, wherever the hell Phil's at. Kroger. <laughs> oh, Publix. Wawa. Aldi. Publix. There's, there's all yeah. kinds of stuff around here. No, <laughs> hell no. Don't talk bad about Wawa. It's a <laughs> convenience store, right? Yeah. We know nothing about this because we don't have these things. We got Cumbies, and that's pretty much it. Wawa and Buckies. Yeah, you can get the Brandon's phone there. <laughs> Cumbies and Dunkies. All right, so we usually start the episode off to our YouTube crowd. By the way, if you want to view us over at YouTube, you can see us at youtube.com slash view. We're under that umbrella. I don't know why anyone would want to see us. I don't know either. I put on that COVID weight and then just never bothered because to get rid of it. Because this show has a lot of visual aids. We do have visual aids from no, time we don't. to time. Well, from time to time. I mean, we've been off YouTube for a few months now. No, but we will make it. We will make an effort. So anyway, we usually start the episode off in case anybody forgot. We usually start the episodes with personal updates. Now, Phil, apparently you raced this weekend what excuse do you i mean how did you guys if that's do? what you want to call it <laughs> see if anybody knows the backstory was, basically anytime phil races there's always something goes wrong and there's always some kind of excuse for it something breaks every time it seems like it's starting to get a little annoying it was actually a really good weekend uh up until lap one turn one of the feature um 
the car, we put a new setup in it, made a bunch of changes. The car was way faster than the driver is right now, that's for sure. Uh, rolled off the trailer running 30s and 40s on 100-lap tires, which really is pretty respectable. That's two-tenths more than we were last time we showed up. So uh, in practice, again, repeated with 30s on Saturday and then went into qualifying. And tire selection right now, I'm sure everybody that's a racer knows, is absolute garbage. And it was so bad, we ended up with left sides on the right and right sides on the left Cheater. and yeah well <laughs> the the downfall to that is <clears throat> the tire doesn't stay flat on the right side so you lost some side bite through lack of uh contact patch there left sides weren't bad they had pretty good contact patch um but the worst part was trying to get the stagger right we actually lost a half inch of stagger from practice to the stickers. Um, we went out at three and a half where we were supposed to be and came in at three. Um, so the car went really, really tight on lap two and going out on stickers. Anyone knows you get more laps, they're going to go quicker. So ended up 11th was kind of disappointed in that missed the invert by two, which also kind of sucked. And then Lap one, just going into turn one, lifted, just went to rest my foot on the brake and back into the car, started bouncing all over the place, had to come off the brake, chase the car up the track, save it, and started feeling it out. And the car started bouncing like a pogo stick down the straightaways. And I lasted 23 laps before it got so bad, it flipped my visor down and I pulled off and said, I'm, I'm done with this. It. I didn't know what was broken and I didn't want to wreck the car. So came in and found out the top league bracket came apart on top of the quick change. That's bad. <sighs> yeah. How bad are your U joints today? Uh, actually, nothing got damaged as far as that goes. Hmm. That's got good. really lucky. Oops. Uh, put it up on jack stands, started it, uh, put it in gear and in. Nothing, there's no vibrations, nothing seems out of whack there. So, well, that's Just a, a really uncomfortable ride for 23 laps. Oh, I'm well, sure it was. You were gonna say something, just I'm sorry. I think, oh, I that's okay. There. Yeah, I'm having weird issues here, oh, but uh, okay. yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, it's that stupid Americans made steel that goes and well, breaks on you, you know. <laughs> This was actually an aluminum bracket, and I, I thought yeah. twice about it when I put in, but th it was already in the car, so I didn't think anything of it, really. Well, then um, it was but, stupid American-made aluminum. Yeah, go figure. There must have been a stress crack or something from age, and it just finally gave out. Yeah. Stuff you can't find until it breaks, you know? We didn't really change the angle. We didn't put the, the top link on any weird angles. It's straight up. It's just a normal top link. So I don't really know why it would have given the way it did. Yeah, that's weird. Um, that's weird and lame. You know, that's. Uh, <laughs> a, I was glad it wasn't anything dangerous. You know that you. Yeah, I mean, you, know, well, with, you know, or break. If the whole it had car. failed all the way and the top link had just broken loose completely, it probably would have pulled the drive shaft out of the tranny, and that would have beat around until it ripped the the hoop out of the car and probably broken my arm or something so yeah that would have been bad it would have been a really bad 15 seconds of fun <laughs> i wouldn't call that fun 
Um, but anyway, since you race down south, how many hero cards you give away? Uh, about 15 or 20 in the pits this week. It's actually really nice to see kids in the pits and just families in the pits. Yeah, that's something that I Fans. noticed. It's Yeah, it's weird because we usually don't have that up here anymore. Like, we, we used to be a, a lot better with the whole fan experience. And even, I mean, for a long time, it was basically uh, limited or rele- uh, relegated to people standing next to the fence or some top-tier division or whatever. And then eventually it started yeah. to trickle down to everybody, and now it's just gone away completely. Um, yeah, and uh, here they have nights where they, they'll they open up the back gate, let people into the pits for a little bit, and then let them back out, or they'll... As much as I bitch about the intermissions down here, I don't think we should have intermissions every night, but on occasion, no. like for a big night, a couple of weeks ago with the sportsman at Auburndale, uh, they had all the divisions roll their cars out onto the track after qualifying was done. The wheelman cars stayed lined up afterwards, and they rolled off for their feature, but they had Easter egg hunt, and kids could go around and get hero cards and all that stuff. And they do this stuff four or five times a year, not just opening day and forget about fan interaction. They take care of the fans here, and I think that's something that's kind of gotten a little lost in how serious and professional the Northeast has gotten with racing. Yeah, I'll tell you, I've probably been involved in racing from a driver's perspective for over a decade at least. And I can tell you that I've only ever participated in anything from a track uh, perspective, like a meet and greet or uh, not. I'm not counting pit parties because everybody did that. And it's like one time a year, but like an actual physical, like, hey, let's bring drivers to get autographs like or sign autographs or whatever i've done that once in well over a decade of racing and uh i know it's i don't know people probably didn't care like when i did it it was back when i had a mini stock i know people probably didn't care but let's be fair people were lining up for it anyway it was still interaction i mean it wasn't like the nascar modified tour was there or the kn tour or whatever they're called now arca east and west and it's not like they were there but I think it's a good idea to just at least get the fans to interact with all the drivers. I mean, the more fan interaction you can have, the more the people can relate to who's on the racetrack. And if you can relate to the people in the grandstands to the racetrack, then you can you can form a lot of different like relationships. Like, um, what am I thinking of here, Jess? Like, uh, you can if you get people to relate to what they're well, seeing, you make everybody they accessible. Become, they you become, make every, you make the cars accessible. You make about, the drivers accessible. Like more emotionally invested. Something yeah, like that, yeah. Absolutely. If, if they can pick a favorite and actually get to know the people who are racing, uh, and they can—that's why I went to the racetrack when I was a kid. We knew some people, and we were invested emotionally, yeah. and we would yeah. go and watch it. And ha- half the time, people pick out the their favorite looking car. That too. Or they want to do the winner, the or maybe time? somebody has a personality. You know, imagine that. Weird. When's the last time Thompson had cars on the midway during features? Um, uh, you mean display cars or actual race cars? Actual race cars, because it used to happen. God, I don't remember. Ooh, and that goes. I, rem- for- I remember it in the in the late nineties. I mean, Stafford- I remember going down there, and they had they had uh, everything from quarter midgets. They had Bush North cars. They had um, they had SKs or 
small block modifieds. I think they were called at the time. I don't remember when that name changed, but they had mini stocks, street stocks, all that stuff. They'd have like one car or two cars from each division come down before, before the features in between qualifying and features or something like that. Yeah. If we're not busy, you know, that's kind of tough, but I know Stafford, I think they still do something like I was mentioning. They probably, I think they bring each division down to autograph alley at least once a year. Yes. Stafford does. I think Stafford does the best job of it right now. I think they still do that. I'm fairly certain, but I, I know that other places used to do it and don't anymore. Was there a pit party at the icebreaker this year? No. Yeah. Has it been for several there years? There hasn't been for a long time, yeah. I don't remember the last time. It might have been You want to get kids to want to come back? Get remember. them down to touch the cars. You know, yeah. and, and then we all had contingency stickers, and I got a lot of young fans to have it because whenever we had, like, extra contingency stickers, we didn't put – I got, like, 20 years of, of you know, just regular like contingency stickers and – yeah, All yeah. the kids and everybody just love grabbing that stuff and putting them on their toy boxes or on their go-karts and the bikes yeah, just or whatever. Go faster stickers, you know, uh-huh. part, stuff yeah. that doesn't even really pertain yeah. to your team. You know, just it's like Jags, auto yeah. meter, you know, all the stuff, whatever stuff that wasn't going on the car, and we just gave away and they were all happy to, you know, it's cheap. All the stickers the kids would find on their dad's toolbox. Yeah. If, if you can make an impression with these kids, they're going to be bugging their parents to come back. Yeah. Which is how it used to be. Yeah. And then it's going to repeat go the cycle because that kid's going to have kids. It's going to do the same damn thing. You know, there's one thing that I remember from being a kid, and it was from the Speed Bowl. And they used to do it every single week. They used to have a raffle. And they used to give away a T-shirt and a hat in two separate drawings to whatever ticket number they would pick from the general admission tickets. And I remember that because I think I won – a hat or a t-shirt or something once probably a hat and i thought that was incredibly cool so that's just one of those little fan interaction things that you could do to bring people back i mean that's cheap right you could do something like that yeah. it's, i know it sounds kind of chintzy or, or, or small but every little thing matters spend a couple hundred dollars or whatever on a t-shirt cannon and in between features Run, run someone up and down the front stretch. Shoot T-shirts into the crowd or something. Get sponsors to put together T-shirts. Yeah. Shoot them all off. People love that stuff. They do it at baseball games around here. Those baseball teams, they got no damn money. <laughs> they still do it. Like, the production that Stafford had over the weekend with the Sizzler, and I, I know we'll talk more about that later, but that production they did on Flow Racing, if... Tracks could take that and then add a little more of what they do down here as far as the fan interaction. I bet it would blow up. Asphalt would blow up just like Dirt did. Because Dirt does a very similar thing to that. I wish they could do 50-50 raffles, too. That would be nice. Yeah, that would be nice. But in Connecticut, they can't. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's not happening. Nope. Casinos got their talons on that one. They ain't letting that one go back through. Uh, so yeah, I just think that all, I'd like to see a little bit more, just it, it's not a lot, but it is something. And I know that these people who run these racetracks have their plate full, but Stafford proves that you can do it around here and Seekonk is doing pretty well as well. I mean, you can do it. You just got to put the effort in. So I'd like to see a little more fan participation. I know the season literally just started, like we had the icebreaker a couple weeks ago and then we got Stafford this week and, but 
I figured I'd jump on the train now, maybe give some ideas out. Some people are listening, so maybe that'll get down the chain, and maybe we'll see more asses in the stands. That would be nice to see. So, Absolutely. Speaking of which, I've noticed that Stafford is doing something that I've never seen a racetrack do, and that's because it's a very new thing. Uh, it's something called NFTs. Okay. have They centered a lot of these around... Not for tourists. Uh, <laughs> It centers around um, <laughs> like the Sizzler and the 50th anniversary. Basically, here, let me, you know what? Let me go through this for you. I see, like, again, I see them going to this. They're offering a few different collections for sale. Uh, for those who are confused by or don't know what NFTs are, um, the acronym stands for non fungible token, which is a very strange acronym to me, but uh, it's essentially a digital collectible. Uh, people typically offer them like any other collectible as a single or quote unquote one of a kind item or something essentially of a limited run item. Just think collectibles and you'll understand. It's basically digital collectibles. Um, it's literally that. And I know they say that these NFTs are like NFTs in general, I should say they're all like programmed or have code in them to have some kind of digital signature so they can be verified as being unique and et cetera like that. But it's, I don't really trust that anyway. Uh, I'll get into that later. Um, but anyway, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of have a rant about NFTs, and it does not pertain to Stafford because I'll get into that. Um, but anyway, you know how you can tell somebody's into NFTs? They'll tell you. They'll be like, "What? You don't know what NFTs are? You're an idiot." What is it like? Vegans? They're literally the new vegans. People who are into NFTs are the new vegans. Are they also run marathons? Or 5Ks? Just in general. Half kegs? Um, CrossFit? Is that a thing still? Whatever the ones that put the 226.2 and the 10.1 stickers on their Subarus. Oh, yeah. Outbacks. Marathons and half marathons. I've yeah. seen the 110s, the Ironman. I'm like, ooh, hardo. You know. Get but anyway. Uh, <laughs> Get some. But anyway, um, I have a very skeptical opinion of these. <laughs> I remember when... Let's just say cryptocurrency became a thing, like first became a thing. I remember hearing about it. And people like me were largely skeptical of that as well. Recently, people who invested money into cryptocurrencies have started to see large returns and making some good money off of them. Good, it's which not is, just large returns, it's also security. What, yeah, good for them, obviously. Good for them. But what I can't stand money is that wondering. the vast majority of these people who don't really know what they were doing, but they sunk money into it anyway and then made money off of it, have begun acting like they're financial geniuses because they got lucky to make money off of this kind of investment, and I can't stand that. Being lucky doesn't make you a genius. It makes you lucky. The, <laughs> these people metaphorically, and I'm telling you, they took their life savings to what is essentially a casino, cashed it in for chips, walked over to, let's say, the roulette table, and slid all of them in a stack to their favorite number, and by some wild circumstance, that number hit. That's essentially what they did with cryptocurrencies. Now, enter the NFT market. Um, whoever came up with this idea is a genius because they appealed to all the people who made money at the crypto casino that I just talked about. They sell these one-of-a-kind items in exchange for cryptocurrency or actual money sometimes. And the investor now, and I put this in air quotes, owns a digital collectible that they can turn around and resell or hold on to in hopes that they appreciate in value, which is essentially what all these people are doing. 
uh, just like their crypto gamble. Uh, but as someone who is actually familiar with the tangible collectibles market, I don't see this as being a smart investment. I know this is racing talk, but I'll get to the stuff later. I'll get to it. Uh, if you deal with this wave of NFTs, you got to remember what you're investing is what you're investing in is essentially an intangible. It doesn't actually exist. It exists essentially on nothing more than a computer file. You have zero guarantee that what you invested in is authentic. It only exists as a bit of programming in a metaverse and from which it was created. Uh, it honestly has no. It's no different than the tangible collectibles market because if you look at like say the autographed collectibles market like sports memorabilia and such. The number of fakes and false items floating around in that market exceeds the real items by a huge margin. It's somewhere, it's ridiculous. It's so bad. It's like 95% or 90 to 95% of autographed collectibles are fake. Like counterfeiters have gone as far as to create fake authenticity companies to sell falsely verified counterfeit collectibles. It's hilarious. Jesus. Um, yeah, I'm not kidding. These, it's nuts how far the lengths are these people go. So what makes you think that this is going to be any different? So, I mean, I can guarantee that as soon as MFTs or NFTs became a marketable item, thousands of people took to hacking computers to try to figure out a way to fake or make copied items and make money off of everybody buying into this market. It's essentially the same thing. So what are they actually buying? They're buying a digital collectible. Can they download this collectible? I think you get the file, and it's pro- it's got like specific programming in it that it's like digitally signed, and it's like what is it like it a like a picture of a steering wheel or a fender or something? Basically, I mean, it is like like Stafford. They were selling NFTs of like a, a limited run of digital collectibles that is essentially like copies of the trophy or something like that. Like I, I went through and looked and you they mean, have I can't web- touch the trophy, but I can buy a piece of it. You can buy a collectible of it, yeah. Like And I can't touch it. With the tangibles collectibles mar- tangible collectibles market, I'm sorry. I'm you would you would I it, have no idea. essentially it would just be a small little model of that trophy, Ooh, which is what there. you'd be buying. You know what I mean? Like you'd go to the souvenir trailer, you'd buy a little tiny little like replica of it. That's essentially what you're doing, but you're buying the digital version of it. But it's also a very, very limited run, apparently. Yeah, you found the website. Steal it. I'm just waiting for the day it does because it will absolutely tank that market immediately. You know what I mean? Can I download this off of BitTorrent or LiveWire? I don't know. (laughs) You could probably find a way. The Pirate Bay. The Pirate Bay. (laughs) Wow, I remember these. My favorite. (laughs) <laughs> Live wire, LimeWire, what do they call it? LimeWire. Uh, <laughs> the, the only thing you download there is a virus. It's just, it's like the um, metaverse uh, version of uh, somewhere in Mexico. I forgot so, that. Tijuana. There you go. So um, let's see. This is this it's is, it's literally not a new thing. So in I the, could buy. So let's yeah, see. Ahead. Let's see. One of the things you could do buy is a. Winners by the decades, 1990. Here's a chance to win your own piece of history and get the only NFTs of the Sizzler winners from the 90s. Yeah, you get like digitally signed pictures of. Buying, so I could buy these people who've won the Sizzler throughout specific decades, and yeah. you, yeah, from Fred Desaro's Coop and everything. We recognize all the winners. So anyway, um, this is again not a new thing with the collectibles market, since collectibles have existed since essentially the beginning. Uh, so it's I, a video. I personally, well, it's it could be individual pictures, it could be a video. It's just it's that's a preview of what it is essentially. Um, so it's not really anything. 
I just don't think that collectibles on any scale is a wise investment. Uh, you walk into any antiques or collectible store and you take a look it's at how a, much stuff there is that is marketed as being rare, and the chances are that you've probably seen those items before. And if the servers crash, what happens to my NFT? That's what I was saying. <laughs> I don't want to sound like a boomer or anything. Yeah, but like you. you Yes, you did hear <laughs> antiques and collectibles. Yeah, but they're not real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're talking about NFTs. Yeah, I would never. yeah, my wife is a dealer in antiques and collectibles, and she's like, "No, nah, I'm not touching that." It's like, it's like it's not it's not actually mine. <laughs> it's like it's like saying this Pez dispenser is very rare. It's like no, it isn't. It's like I'll a paywall a behind a paywall. <laughs> it's a paywall behind a paywall. And somebody from China can hack your computer and steal it. Yeah. Again, uh, with most arts and right. collectibles. Like nothing, you're doing nothing more than participating in money making schemes created by the people who make those items. Uh, look at modern art; it's all mostly ugly and horrible looking splotches on a canvas, but people spend millions of dollars yearly on it. Why? Because like, it's a perfect money laundering scheme. What, like Andy Warhol just oh god, yeah, it's terrible. Campbell, Campbell cans and whatnot. Campbell's it's horrible. Can. Modern art's shit. It is he's all. not even. He's not even a good. He wouldn't be. He's less than a graffiti artist. He sucks. Yeah. It's like I said, it's much in the same way. I got to wrap this thing up, but it's much in the same way as collectibles have been forever. Like items like this are only really worth what people are willing to buy them for or pay for them. So it's like they can only be viewed on a monitor or on your phone. And so that appeal of like being a tangible item and holding onto it is incredibly lacking. People are like people who invest in this are looking for that rare item that could be their golden ticket, like a Honus Wagner card or a G.I. Joe prototype, which is a one of one item. Uh, that's not going to happen. See, I would take like a piece of the asphalt, or you know, like that a, would be a cool collector's item. You know, or I have a some chair, like, asphalt, or a like piece of grass. has the sod pod, and that's not even grass from yeah. his own place. That's just <laughs> that's fake too. And how many of those do you think sold? A lot of them. Like I said, Good the whole God, right? the whole meaning behind this is, uh, I'll get to that in a second. But like the whole meaning behind this a is digital that, collectible. No, the the reason why this is a great money making uh, idea is it's good for the people who make them. It's good for the zoomer, right? Not the consumer, right? Um, it's a great idea. Collectibles are always and it confuses the boomer. Collectibles are always money making schemes. If you bought a Wheaties box with Dale Earnhardt on it in nineteen ninety whatever ninety six or something, I guarantee you that person still has it. Because let me tell you, I've seen a ton of those. And people think they're all worth money, and it's like, no, it's a cereal box. But you could touch it, and it's real, so what the heck but ever. But people buy them, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they do. I, I might have a lot of that stuff still. <laughs> do you still have the Wheaties in it? Like I said, a lot of these... I don't, I don't know. My mom's the one that saved that stuff when I was younger, and I was a fan, so... <laughs> but like I said, all this stuff is essentially like people are acting like they're lottery tickets, but when it gets created on a computer and the ability exists to simply create more if they just go away or get lost that really destroys the value long term uh all i guess obviously all investments come at some risk and if this is your thing then by all means jump on it if you like collectibles good on you i don't care i'm just giving you a little bit of friendly you know skeptic advice uh but the side i'd rather be on is the side creating and selling them because then i would be guaranteed to actually be making money instead of buying them because I honestly don't see a future in this if the tangibles oh, market is any indicator. I want to be the one that's unplugged from the Matrix. <laughs> As the one that. So, you know, I give Stafford yeah, all the yeah. kudos in the world because this is a new and innovative market. Who knows where it's actually going to go? 
And why not sell collectibles yeah. we'll get if on people it. are going to buy collectibles? Look at the... If uh, there's a, a market is only worth something for the price of the, someone's willing to pay for it. Right. And so, again, jump on it while the... Strike while the iron's hot. I guess that's an old term, but it works. Uh, so get on it. Do it. If you want to buy it, do it. It's your money. You can do whatever the hell you want. I don't care. I'm just saying that if you're one of those crypto people who gambled big and won... You just, got lucky. Yeah, you got lucky. Just take your take your money and walk out of the casino and invest it in a retirement fund. <laughs> it's probably your best bet right now. Don't do the NFT thing because you're probably just going to end up blowing your money anyway. Just like anybody who buys diecast cars, they're just they're everywhere. But oh, we collect them. They're not worth more than you paid for them, but you can collect them if you want. So anyway, I didn't mean to like crap all over that, but it is a good idea to jump on it while you can because it is new, fresh, and innovative. So, again, leading the charge. I don't see any other racetracks doing this. No. I, it, I don't see many other racetracks really doing what Stafford does in general. So They have a lot of younger blood in their leadership right now. People Some racetracks don't even have credit card machines, bro. <laughs> They don't have ATMs. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. Jesus Christ! Cash only in on Florida. There. Yeah. Hey, you don't buy meth on credit, all right? That's why they don't have cash machines in Florida. <laughs> cash only. Uh, anyway, um, so that you know what? Again, kudos. It, I'm not. I'm not taking digs at him for doing this. I'm not saying it's a scam. I'm saying it's a digital collectible. Buy them at your own risk. If you are into collecting things, collect it. Do what you want with it. It's your money. Go ahead. Okay. Again, it's just not don't, my thing. Don't get in it thinking you're going to make money, though. Yeah, just don't don't expect to make money. Expect to have something new. It's a hobby, not an investment. Yeah, consider that. Next All right. Topic. Just like racing. Next topic. Yeah. So, Phil, I think you turned me on to this uh, storyline here. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> there was an incident or a set of incidents in the Arca Series race, which oh, obviously God, it's at Talladega, well, we're, you know we're going to talk about it. That I believe uh, what was its name Gary Melton. What's it? He broke his leg in the wreck. That was pretty bad. That sucked. For is him. that is that the guy that got his roof cut off? Yeah, Melton. I can't remember. Yeah, uh, I think it, the last name was Melton. I can't remember his first name. There's a guy who runs Mass with the last name of Melton, and I don't want to use his name because I'm like, it's Jeff. Yeah, I know Jeff runs in Mass, but I don't want to say Jeff because it's not him. Mm-hmm. It's somebody else. I forget his actual first name, and that sucks. But, um, yeah, there was not just controversy on the racetrack. It spilled over to Twitter, apparently, as well, which is kind of fun. Drama is always fun. No. This is – the only oh. reason I'm bringing this up is because there's That's a- Elon Musk's happy place. <laughs> <laughs> I love how many people are absolutely melting down. Oh, the salt mining! So wonderful. The salt mining is is uh, amazing right now. The salt. I'm dying laughing at this. All those flavors. How dare he buy this platform? Now we can't. um, What's it called? Now we can't censor right wing people on here anymore. Now it's going to be equal. How can this happen? What are how all the people that own Teslas are feeling right now? Because you know those are all the people that are going, fuck. Yeah, well, that's your own stupid problem. Hey, uh, that's any- fine. <laughs> I, I say more free speech because we want more DARF comments. Yeah, I need more yes. because I had a real tough time finding it today. Um, so, so continue. 
anyway, there was comments made by, uh, let's see, I can't remember his name. Was it Garvey? Yeah. Was his name Rich? Gar- Rick Rick Garvey or Richard or what's his name? Well, set the stage. Uh, what happened? I'm trying to du- right now. Douchebag Garvey. Uh, whatever his name, Garvey, who races in Arca. So what happened during the race? <laughs> well, he got into Tony Breidinger uh, coming through the trial and set off that big-ass wreck that uh, Mr. Melton broke his leg in. So I'm going to have to search for this on YouTube. Yeah, that was a nasty wreck. Um, he had to get cut out of the Lots car. Lots of Arca breaks. Oh, Arca break city. It was horrible. God, um, these people suck. Oh, they're so bad. I, I blame their spotters almost as much as I blame them. But if you see smoke in front of you, probably slow down. You know, there was a lot of it. Um, <laughs> Edith McFarland. Ah, <laughs> that's the name of this. Is that the name of the YouTube channel? Yes. Yeah. That guy went oh, flying, hold on, didn't hold he? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> All right, so. I forgot that guy's name, minute. but there was a 10 car who just launched over everybody. It was bad. Let's, um, do, let's do this because I don't have a switcher. Okay. You got the YouTube audience back, so yes. Oh, okay. Well, uh, there you go. I hope you can see your own screen because this is not going well <laughs> so far. Okay. Apologies to our YouTube crowd. Yeah, that guy went flying, and then uh, that guy sliding up the track gets completely T-boned, and I think uh, Melton was the guy who T-boned him. And Wish yeah, this 69, that's the guy who gets cut out of his car because he broke his leg because the car folded in on itself. But anyway, so they decided... This Garvey guy and uh, Breidinger decided to take their gloves off on Twitter. Now, we might have some kind of award nominee for us at the end of the year for Dramatist of the Year. Uh, because apologize for the video. You got to pretend you're in Australia. Yeah, for, uh, whatever he said. Going the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. No, they're, no, they're going the right way, Jess. They Not look They look right on my screen. They're correct. Yeah, they look correct. Oh, oh that's such a bad hit. Oh. And his left front tire is in his lap. My Why is it always Arca guys just eat total crap, man? I don't know, man. There's a reason. What car they are, they just eat crap, man. There's a reason why it's called just... Arca Breaks. We're going to get thrown off for uh, copyrighted content here. I say fudge them. Oh, man. That guy went flying, didn't he? I'm sorry Good to our audience. If you're if you're an audio listener, you could sync this up by going and just searching Arca Crash Talladega 2022 and just clicking on it from YouTube because you'll find it. Trust me. But anyway, this set off a Twitter firestorm between Richard Garvey or, Rick, or what's his name? Oh, I don't know. I guess that. it's Rich Rich Garvey or whatever. Back and to Tony Breidinger, who's a, a female driver who races for Venturini in the 25 car. Garvey goes on Twitter and says there were a lot of hot takes about the wreck today. Here's how I saw it. And he posts screen caps of like certain moments in the wreck. It's like, okay, here I am behind her car. And then like everybody stopped in front of me and I had to get out of it. And he's claiming that he got like pushed, but I don't think the car behind him was close enough to push him. I think he just, you know, forgot to lift because he doesn't know what he's doing because he raises Arca. Uh, Probably. <laughs> So what? he so he, he what, tries to a problem an- with what set it off. He's he's analyzing why it's not his fault that he drove into the back of her, which, yeah, he just drove into the back of her. Well, he did, <laughs> but you know it is kind of like plate racing. You know that kind of garbage happens. Yeah, well, he could have at no. least stayed in a line instead of turning back down into her quarter panel. You know, the air is turbulent. They don't know how to draft. And, yeah, he turned her, definitely. Yeah, he's just but, tr- what he's doing is he's trying to deflect blame instead of just owning it and saying, whoops, you know, that was a mistake. I, 
You know, it's just a little inexperience I don't know, or whatever. It's just plate racing. I mean, just you know? he's trying to deflect blame Sucks. when he might not have to or right. when he needs to own it. So she <laughs> she goes nuclear. <laughs> this is she dug, she dug deep. Yeah. She went nuclear. Well, should you gaslight him? Uh, she said uh, she debates the fact that he was a whole car length behind her. He says, or she says that she's on the 30s bumper, but I didn't get out of line and take her out. You got out of line, and the 27 didn't bump you from behind. Um, <laughs> so she she's arguing the point. But then she just drops off the face of the earth. It's 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 a big stretch. She says, anyway, since you keep mentioning my name and everyone else's for clout, which I don't think that's named. I don't think he's name dropping for whatever reason. She posts an article with his mugshot on it and saying, when is the next balloon festival? Now, you click on the article and it says it's an Atlanta Journal-Constitution article that says, um, Oh, shit, I just got stuck behind a paywall. Watch your profanity. <laughs> Go away, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. All right, so it says uh, some something about that guy and theft and fraud charges with some Atlanta balloon festival that he put the thing together with and then, like, dropped out of and took the money and ran and got charged with these things. And it's just a ridiculous, like, <laughs> spectacle. He's a scumbag. So he's a, basically a scumbag. And she calls him out on Twitter for it, and I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> Completely irrelevant to anything that was being discussed. Completely irrelevant. Instead of talking about the crash, she's like, well, you got arrested for fraud, dickhead. Great, like, so we have straw mans and gaslighting. <laughs> I know you are, but what am I? I'm like, You have oh. straw mans, and you have gaslighting, and every kind of... Buzzword. Uh, <laughs> argumentative fallacies. Oh, yeah. I'm like... Whoa, jeez. <laughs> you could just argue what happened. You don't have to just nuke the guy. Ad that, that's hominem. how a lot of women argue, though. A lot of women yeah. just find that one thing to just reach deep, twist the knife, and walk away. It's they, Everybody goes for the home run hit. You know, They don't actually argue or debate anymore. They just hit the right. home run. And this is why yeah. social media is cancer. Yeah, it is. And this is why I'm single. So anyway, <laughs> in case anybody wants to actually <laughs> dig deep into this, they can go to... I don't know what the hell one you want to go to Tony Breitinger's Twitter and go check because she hasn't deleted any of it yet. She's just leaving it up there. Yeah, she thinks it's okay. I'm like, whatever you want to do, lady. So yeah, that one of these two is definitely going to be a nominee at the end of the year for our what do you say, dramatist of the year? Yeah, the yeah the popcorn trophy. Uh, drama magnet. Yeah, that's that one. Okay. Yes. Yep. She's going to be, I think we're going to put her on it because she's the one who mentioned the arrest. So <laughs> so that's an early front runner. Yeah, let's add in. Let's go down to Dramatist of the Year here. Let me see. I got to just pull my notes up. Yep. And I do have to ask, who even is she? Uh, I don't who is know. anybody in the Arca series? I don't really know who any of them are. I mean, I know who Andy J is. Come on. Well, yeah, Andy, yeah, he's not a full-time Arca Ar- Ar- guy, though, is he? No. no. Are any of them? There's probably I don't know. Three probably that are full time. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't watch it. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't watch this stuff because uh, Daddy Money Racing Series. Basically, yeah. I, if I wanted to watch, you know, a bunch of kindergartners playing t-ball with the best equipment at Yankee Stadium, you know, that's not entertaining to me. 
Well, I also have something else on her. Um, remember earlier in the season? Her when, OnlyFans? No, she is hot, though. Uh, but anyway, no, she doesn't do that. So um, Yet. No, not yet. But Probably no. post-wall. No, not yet. Um, we did see, remember earlier in the year, we mentioned something about Bush Beer supposedly sponsoring Bush? Fem- yes, Bush Booth Beer sponsoring female racers. Remember that program I talked about yeah. earlier? Yeah. Well, I found a Reddit, um, I think it's Reddit, screen cap where someone asked her this question. They said, how much of a difference has the Bush Beer sponsorship made for you so far? And she replied, I'm not part of the Bush program anymore. Right now, there is a huge narrative. Large corporations are trying to say they support women in sports, so they make big announcements that they are supporting. It's important that people know if a company isn't on my car or suit or my helmet, they aren't my sponsor. I'm focusing on my sponsors that are actually being about it and putting my car on the track and really supporting women in sports. So I'm getting the impression that Bush didn't actually give her anything towards this program. I haven't heard anything more about it since the beginning of the year. Like, it disappeared, dropped off the face of the earth. <laughs> I just figured I'd bring it up since she said it, but I figured it'd be worth digging deeper into, but haven't found Well, then the advertising else. worked then, didn't it? They didn't have to pay nothing, and then they got a huge return on the investment. Yeah, I don't, you know, I've looked welching. at a few of these so. women's cars, and I haven't seen a Bush logo on them, so. I don't see no Bush. <laughs> Please save the Bush. <laughs> Moving on. It's all bare Bush. <laughs> Moving We're on. Kicked off of YouTube. We're back <laughs> off of YouTube. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> oh, you think this is the 1970s? Come on, guys. <laughs> anyway, if you're interested in looking at that, Google that. I don't care. I like to Google it. So I'll move on to Kyle Booth, who made so can't stop. He it's made so some, relevant. It's so relevant. He made some cryptic remarks about his future with Joe Gibbs Racing saying he was frustrated with the lack of finding a main sponsor for next season since Mars is discontinuing its sponsorship after this year. Um, I was going to say, well, you'd probably find a better sponsor if you were more personable, but everybody would jump on the bandwagon of, Ooh, we need personalities. It's like we don't need whiny personalities. We need fun personalities. But That's I, a difference. I kind of can't blame him, though, because ever since January or February or whatever, He's been asked the same question a million times. Oh, is this your last year in uh, the Joe Gibbs Racing? Is this your last year? What about next year? What about your sponsor? Did you find another sponsor? Blah, blah, blah. If you got asked the same question 100,000 times, you're going to get sick of that question. That's fair. Uh-huh. That's yeah, fair. fair. That's entirely fair. I'll give you that. I got I to say, I'm with Kyle Busch on this one. I'm sorry. It's just the media is cancerous and annoying. Yeah, I'll, well, you know what? Thinking about it, I'll I'll start to side with Kyle on this one. I bet you they have a lot more in the works than what's actually well, being known. They'll announce it when they announce it. Everybody, the journalists are always the rush to be the first one to have a story, right or wrong. It's hard. They, to, I think here's yeah. here's an idea about journalism. How about you know actually talking to guy or forming a relationship with them? Maybe buy him a beer or go to a barbecue or something. Try to be his friend or something. Maybe you'll get a little bit more out of them instead of shoving a microphone in their face going, Tell me. Oh, tell me more. Please tell me more. You mean like I Dr. To... Jerry Punch used to? Oh, yeah. Dr. Jerry Punch. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Somebody who actually was decent in the media. He although, he, bad, but... although he did. I said decent. I didn't say he was Walter he wasn't Cronkite bad. or anything. 
Yeah, he wasn't bad. I, I, I love Dr. Hey, Cherry Punch. I'm he sorry. Wrote, hey, he wrote Days of Thunder. He so. wrote Days of Thunder, <laughs> and he got... Uh, That's a great joke. Oh, who else I, th- I think Joe Gibbs did yeah. uh, was questioned by uh, Bob Pockris too, though, about this, and he said that uh, things were being worked on, and it just takes some time. Of there course, it takes time. Joe Gibbs. I mean, that's a that's a that's a very I mean, honest trying answer. Trying to find a it's a neutral a sponsor here, so he wants to keep the the you know the business going. Kyle Busch is extremely marketable because he's a good race car driver and wins in everything he sits in. I think they'll figure it out. How many NASCAR teams have full-time sponsors with only one sponsor? None. How many of them? None. Not many of them at all. Uh, I don't even think Denny Hamlin has Denny Hamlin used to be. I think he does have like one race where he's FedEx isn't a full-time sponsor. No, he has a couple like Root Insurance or something came on or something. I forget what it was. but Uh, Yeah, you think something like that. Chase Elliott maybe with Napa. Chase Elliott does. Uh, He's full time. Uh, Alex Bowman with Ally. Yep. Yeah, I believe so with them. Yeah. And other than that, nil. I'm actually trying to look up. Absolutely the none right of them have the same sponsor the entire year, which sucks. You maybe, know, maybe we can get back. It's to It's hard day where to that sell happens. T-shirts. You're gonna have to buy two T-shirts of your favorite driver or to get their all their sponsors or whatever well, on. Well, you sell more T-shirts. I suppose. <laughs> it's a great business opportunity. Sell a lot of diecasts, that's for sure. Hell yeah, why not? Kyle Larson has Hendrick cars all but two races. See, even that. Even that. It's two races. It's not the same. Dale Earnhardt had, you know, GM Goodrich service on the car for you know. every freaking race, and it was black and silver. Yeah. And we all knew that car. Dale, Jeff Gordon had DuPont every freaking race. You know, everybody. Actually, Chase, Chase Elliott doesn't even have Nap all year now. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, he's got so. Hooters. I'd... He's got Hooters on a few times, yeah, that's and true. I think something else. Kelly yeah. Blue Book. Yep. And Unifirst. Oh, that's right. How about that's a, that's how about... a shared sponsor with the how... twenty-four car? How too. about Kurt Busch? Monster Energy. I think Kurt he's Bush, also got I other cars. Monster all year long. Let me go to. This. I think he has some other ones with twenty-three XI. I think they share sponsors like Trackhouse. Yeah, they'll Mc... share sponsors McDonald's, every once in a while. Sirius XM, Money Lion, Jordan Brand. Embrace yeah. home loans. Yeah, I I know Bubba Wallace splits it between McDonald's and Dr Pepper and 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 DoorDash or whatever. So Columbia, yeah, stuff know, like that. All of them. Cody got... Ware has the same sponsor all year. Oh, it's oh a this drug is company, true. Ain't it? This is true. Yeah, Nurtec mm-hmm. ODT. Is that one of them heartburn medications? I don't even know what that is. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, I'm sure they'll get something worked out, and Jesse's gonna have to queue up the. Uh, Music for us because I oh, believe is it time? Is I believe it, that time it might again? be time again this week because I did so much digging and I just came up with absolute jack like <laughs> it was so difficult and I'm like I came up with something and I'm like nah I don't like it so I had to come up with a backup one and and this one's okay I'll just use this one because this is gonna be this week's Darf comment of the week. Oh, I was expecting music. Hey, there, there it is. I apologize in advance for the quality of this Darf comment of the week, but be glad you get one anyway. So anyway, this week's Darf comment of the week, we just kind of went with something not really only dumb, but kind of confusing as well. And not really what I'd even call racing related, but it kind of is. So <laughs> anyway, I just, it tickled my funny bone the right way, I guess you could say. Um... It was in response 
to Jeff Gluck's standard Twitter poll, was it a good race? And basically after every race, he says, was this race a good race? He says, was Talladega a good race? You know, was Coda a good race? Was Daytona a good race? It doesn't matter. Whatever track it was, he just posts that up and he takes whatever the people vote on. Now, usually I don't read the comments because they're irrelevant to me. But this one just kind of <laughs> this one just kind of stuck with me cuz I'm like, what? So, in response to the was it good a good race poll, I'll read you this and you can just kind of unpack this one. Okay, this is from a Twitter user named apparently Neil Lawson and his Twitter account is cuz remember I give these out. It is I'm fool at I'm fools gold at I M F O O L S G O L D apparently. And he says, need an option called I abstain. Never really been a fan of super speedway racing. So in theory, almost everyone is a no from me, but I don't want to be biased in my vote. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> This is serious gump-level IQ stuff here. Okay, he's asking for, and I apologize, but he's asking for the option to be yes, no, and I abstain to be a, a something to click on. You have to be neutral and be PC on an anonymous voting forum. He needs people to know that he's voting to abstain. Be careful. You, you know what? Tread also- lightly here. This is a sensitive topic, everyone. <laughs> You know what also prevents you from affecting the vote? Don't Not voting. Vote. <laughs> Jesus Christ, guy. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I need people to know all about the charity work I do anonymously. I need people to know that I am abstaining from the vote by voting to abstain. It's like <laughs> Why was he even writing this? <laughs> Man... You are one pathetic loser. Jesus. Um, so <laughs> I checked out this guy's page, and he's got like 4,925 tweets from 2014. Um, and only like 14 followers, so I don't know who he's talking to. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's Go check 14 him out. more yes. than I have. Hey, so, I, I, you like don't have an account. That's true. I don't have an account. I'm, when you look at that, I'm, it kind of rings a lot of... Or, bells and signals a lot of red flags i guess because it's like i'm be very concerned with what i find on that page um again he has no picture either so he's probably some kind of child molester but um at that kind of he's trying to stay anonymous (laughs) brent he's trying to stay anonymous with his name he doesn't want to take a stand by having a picture (laughs) attention everyone i don't want to vote for fear of being biased i just figured you all should know that hey hey, dotson dotson's here (laughs) dotson's here See, no one See, cares. No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, guy. You know what abstaining is? Is not voting, and you didn't have to tell people that you didn't want to vote because you were being biased. <laughs> That's the whole. It's not po- an airport. I have a vote. Announce your departure. I have a vote. <laughs> What's that? We need to talk about Stafford soon. Yes, we will. We All right. So anyway, um, it's fifty minutes in there already. Holy crap! All right, so we got to get oh on to Stafford. God, I'll catch up with this Stafford. later. So anyway, that was our Darf comment of the week. Please don't play the music again. No, I'm actually going <laughs> to maybe shut it off. No, 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 it's fine. All right, all right. So anyway, we should move on to Stafford because 
that's the that's the whole reason why we're here, apparently. Um, Stafford ran their fiftieth annual spring sizzler this weekend. It was really awesome. It didn't rain. It somehow did not rain. <laughs> I don't know how it didn't rain, but it did that's not. Amazing. So they had great car counts, but let me be honest. Oh, um, they had a real bad case of yellow fever because every division took forever to get over with. Is that one of those diseases you get from Wuhan too? Probably yes. <laughs> I think, and China. That's racist. And, and Japan <laughs> and Thailand and Korea. And we're back off YouTube and again. We're back off YouTube. All right. So anyway, we should go through some results and and give our opinions on some races here while we got it. So they ran. On Saturday, they ran street stocks, limited late models. The Pro All-Star Series made a return. I think it's like their first time in almost a decade or something. And they ran the two modified dual races that were like qualifying races to see who gets in, who doesn't have to go to an LCQ, etc. And they paid purses for these as well. And then on Sunday, they ran SK Lights late models, which they did not uh, promote in any way. Uh, SKs, and then they ran the tour type modifieds for that spring sizzler. Lots of money to win. We'll get into this. All right, so the Stafford Speedway, we'll go into results and we'll talk about races right now. Street Stocks started the program off, and that had no shortage of drama as well. Um, it's a wide open division this year with Chris Meyer is now driving for Scott Cook in the late mile division, and Frank the Three Jr. has moved on to an SK Light. Yes, he has. And again, uh, we do know L'Etoile does not mean three in French. Don't DM us. It's a joke. So And we find it funny. We do still find it funny. That's why we still do it. I wonder if he finds it funny. I hope he listens because he think, I think that would be pretty funny. He probably hates us now. So anyway, <laughs> paint scheme of the year goes to Travis Hydar, and I gave them credit. I texted them because it is a throwback scheme to Ernie LaRose's 97 car from, I think, about 2002. Yeah, 2002. I texted them and said that that car gives me wicked PTSD from all the times it kicked our ass. So, <laughs> but it was a really cool thing. I guess Nicole and uh, the guy, I think it was, uh, oh, what's the really tall guy who used to race the Hummel car? What's his name? Oh, Matt Bassard. Yeah, him. He does, he does raps and stuff now. I guess they work together and they put this paint scheme together and they surprised Ernie and uh, Dave Irish Jr., to uh, that scheme, and they showed it off at the track, and I guess they were very touched by it, and I would be. It's such a cool car, it's an and that's awesome looking car. Oh, it looks great. Yeah, yeah. it was a uh, instant, yeah. instant throwback. That car is a legend. I'm sorry, that car was put together. The secret about that car, I'll tell you what it was. It was beautifully well, made. Well, it was straight. Yeah, it was built straight. <laughs> they built that car so well. The geometry points and everything were straight on the car. Better yeah. than factory. Yeah, they they did so much work, but when not they built illegal. That car. No, it was perfect. Everything in the engine that they had updated the rules that year on that engine in two thousand two. And was that every, when they went to higher compression? That was when they changed the intake manifold and you oh, got at the twenty one hundred one and ninety five. And then you were allowed uh, any dish, any uh, flat top piston, and is every single that, thing was is perfect. That the year in that, that Larry Barnett always complains they changed the rules late, and he already had his motor built, and then had to go. Like, he always complains. He always complains. Yeah. That, no, they changed the rules before you, the Larry. season. <laughs> so Travis Hydar won no, in that. Larry got smoked car. with the rest of us that year. <laughs> yep. like, I only remember three guys winning, and it was me, boss, <laughs> boss, 
Lyle Wolfinger. And Ernie LaRose, and Ernie LaRose the LaRose. whole rest of the season. <laughs> the whole rest of the year. <laughs> and I lucked out because I had a 15th yeah, place the only, car. Jesse only won because Ernie got turned around. <laughs> but my cab, Mag, my Cavanaugh put him, uh, cut down on him hard. <laughs> oh, yeah, chopped him going into one, and they both went in the infield. <laughs> Jesse's like, hey, I'll take it. I'm going to win this one. Yeah, he backed into that one. Yep, I did back into it. <laughs> Yep, and I borrowed the transmission from John Brower Jr., and he gave me a big old kiss on the cheek. Thank God it was just the cheek. Thank God it was just my cheek. (laughs) All right, so congrats to those guys. That's a great way to start the year off. I think Nick Hovey got like double. something about that scheme. It's just good. Nick Hovey got like like double clipped. That thing is hurt. I have no idea how that car got into the wall. I mean, Adrian Paradis was on the inside of him, and it didn't look like anything out of the ordinary. And it, it looked to me like Nick got a little free, and instead of going down and hitting uh, Adrian, he might yeah. have locked up the brakes momentarily, and then it started going towards the wall, so he didn't yeah. think to lift. You, you get frozen sometimes in that situation, and I get it. It happens. There's a lot of things yeah, you got to try to catch weird. up I on. I didn't and... see anything out of the ordinary that was done by anybody else. It just yeah, no, just it was a car just, just. I think it was a racing a deal. Wicked weird move, and he went head head on. Yeah, and somebody Ugh. came from Arca Break Central and just drove right into him. Ugh. Just completely wiped out the rear clip of the car. Yeah, no, the rear clip is junk. Front clip, I maybe. Have who knows? No idea who that was. I think it was the 28. I don't know. Oh, Samantha Dell? It might have been. Ugh, just that was a hard hit. Not looking past the nose. Yeah, you'll learn. You'll learn. But um, just an unfortunate situation. Yeah, it's just... I mean, here's the other thing. A lot of people were giving her crap on Facebook and stuff. I saw... I say not looking past the nose, but at the same time, she was in a pack of cars. They might have we split, too. Her, I didn't yeah, see that. From yeah, from her perspective... We might not have been able to see how she saw it either. So Sometimes the C's just part and you're in the wrong place. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Who knows? It's tough to see sometimes because you're on flat ground. You're not in the grandstands where you got us, you know, eagle-eye view. <clears throat> it's really hard to see on the ground. So anyway, that moves us on to the limited late models. Now, this was also one of the ugly races. and uh, That's when the big one trademark hashtag... Copyright, oh. register trademark. Yeah, and um, happened. <laughs> Mike Hopkins was leading a lot, and uh, Alexander Fern made a pretty hard move to the bottom coming out of four, and they made contact, and they just both straight right into the wall, and that that junked a lot of good equipment, and uh, <clears throat> that was it was a, a move that I kind of expected someone without a lot of experience to make but yeah that was a very optimistic rookie move it was not a great move Um, yeah weird coming from a champion it is but uh i mean i understand that her car had a lot of forward bite coming off the corner yeah well they sprayed really did but uh (laughs) when it came off the 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 centrifugal force just wasn't going to be able to hold on to the nose with being into the throttle that long from what i saw and uh and at the end of the day, your car drove into into the seventy eight, and that's just what happens. I know it wasn't on purpose, no. because no one you wants to have their own car too, destroyed, though. you know. But uh, well, yeah. But I, I always said that any good race car driver always denies, 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 denies until it calms down, and then you go over quietly when it all blows over, and they go, "Hey, listen, man, I'm sorry. 
I did that, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you, you got to have, have that kind of attitude. Alexandra is, she's a fantastic driver. She's probably she, better than 90% of them out there. She should have been the, one of the Bush drivers, I think. Mm. I, I think she belongs in a late model. Yeah, or modified, whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that move, I question even the thought process behind it. It, it kind of looked like a desperation move. A little desperate. So this again, it's shuffled the field of a ton, you know. And oh, yeah. so uh, there were people in the back who I didn't think even had a shot at this thing. And then they're up in the front, and who ended up winning? It was a second career win. It was Matt Scapini. Now that is a hell of an Italian name. It's like it's a me, a Matt Scapini. <laughs> <laughs> Sid's probably listening to us like, I will kill all of you. I guarantee it because he's not looking at us and we're trying our best to, to upset Definitely him. concentrated on his next round of editing. Or his sports betting. He's got the ravioli and the linguine. It's a Matt Scapini. I swear to God, I hope he listens. <laughs> okay, let's kill that. We're done being racist for today. <laughs> we are. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> Racial, not racist. I really hope we're still recording. Anyway... <laughs> We are recording. Anyway, the guy is... You can tell how Italian the guy is. He looks like he's got to shave three times a day. Um, but it's it's cool to see new winners, man. And you know what? When you got a race car where you're sitting around, and they have a better car count again this year. I'm seeing names that I haven't seen there before. And they got, they're got they starting to creep up. I think up. they had 17 cars. Yeah, they're starting to creep towards that 20-car number. And it's like, man, I, I didn't envision that year a few years ago, but they're starting to stick with it, and it's working out. No, it's and good to see. It's quite an entertaining little division. It yeah. works out really For well. and division. Yeah. Un- with unpopular opinion, though. Get rid of the round bodies. Put muscle car bodies on them and get rid of that fugly wing. Oh, that wing sucks. I hate oh, it. Oh, what? The, the, the car of tomorrow wing? late models. Yeah, make them look different from the late models, but make them look different from the street stocks too. Like, they, they look too close to a late model right now. If you're looking at them, allow a bunch of car. different bodies in. Who cares? You're not that car tomorrow, Wayne. That thing's ugly. Yeah, but anyway, How about um, wedge bodies. It, again, it's nice to see new and fresh faces in there and winning races. So that's cool. I like that. You know, I think that's like his second career win. He got his first last year. And again, the guy was sitting around like 10th place all race. Everybody starts to junk and wreck and spin and he ends up in the lead and he's like, well, I ain't letting this go. And he held on to it. Nobody got him. Ran away. Finished first. Your first must finish. Yeah. He ran away from, um, I can't remember his name now. It's been, it's been no, a long Ari off season. Jensen finished second. Ari finished second. Oh, she got by, um, what's his face? The yeah. sex car. There, uh, I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. It's the first show of the year oh, where Jeremy oh Jeremy Lavoy, yeah, he's yeah. a champion. So yep. he, I mean, Scapini's showing some real promise and some growth. So that's nice to see. Uh, and she did a, a nice job too. I think she got turned around early as well and managed to come back and finish top three. Right. Yep. So that was nice. Um, cool. So that race uh, was action packed. What race wasn't very action packed, although a little bit. Yeah, 
Not too bad. It strung out after a while. Was the pass race? The no, Pro wait a minute. Series. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We got to talk about that vintage mod race. That vintage mod race is actually kind of entertaining. Dude. I don't like vintage mods. Put I actually him, put them back in the museum and stop playing with history. Dude, dude, dude led the race the whole time, and they were really running, man. They're between the thirty and the double zero. They're irreplaceable cars. Put them back on the midway yeah, and display them where they belong. I mean, let's be fair. A lot of those are replicas. A lot of them were, you know, the thirty. Yeah, and but the some of them zero. are not. So, yeah, like the thirty car was so afraid of of being on the outside of a car that he cleared him, that he cut down so close, so hard onto that one ten irreplaceable replica, and he cleared that's himself not a and replica, took. I don't and, think. Yeah, I know irre- irreplaceable non replica and took himself out of the lead, and then the double zero and the seventy three had like a photo finish between two or between a lap car and everything i mean we're talking about it was somebody insane. on the radio going lift now make it look good we're no, talking it was really good though it was actually a good honest race i was shocked i was shocked that those those vet those old vintage cars really ran good man. put them back in the museum anyway <laughs> the all-star series ran uh i'm gonna they, go take a they, pee-pee they ran a 75 lap race i know it was a little bit messy at the beginning um, but dude, um, there was a hard crash. Oh, there. there was a wicked hard crash at the beginning. The eighteen and, and yeah, yeah, Mike Scorzelli was in it. Scorzelli and, um, and Shaw. Shaw was in it. What yeah, they. Scorzelli, I didn't get to see that race. Uh, he Dove got it turned in around. Hard. He got yeah. yeah, he got turned around and one ended up in the fence. And uh, it ended, ended his day. It didn't hurt the car too too bad, but he couldn't keep going. Uh, Rose car was pretty beat up, I think. But um, yeah, it was a pretty nasty wreck. After that, it really kind of stabilized, and there wasn't a heck of a lot more that went on. But uh, uh, absolute monster Eddie McDonald ended up walking away with that one. Um, he's won in everything. I mean, the guy, oh, yeah. if you put him in an ACT car, he'll win. You put him in a Pro All-Star Series car, he'll win. Granite State Pro Stock, he'll win. He's won Bush North races. He's won everything. The guy just, he has, I believe he's also tied for the record. I think I said it before. He's also, I think, tied for the record with most wins at New Hampshire Motor Speedway as well. So the guy gets it done in everything. So, anyway, that moved us on to the duels. Now, these were, I forget, how much was it to win the duels? Like three, four grand, something like that? Yeah, I think it was like three or 3,500 bucks or something like that. Yeah, uh, and it was like 40 laps, and it was essentially like the duels at Daytona. They they take us, but it's, it's, it's kind of not. It sets the field, but then it also sets the LCQ. So it was like top 10 out of 20 cars or 20-something cars. I think they had like 43 cars show up. Well, NASCAR would have to get enough cars for the 500 to have an LCQ. That's true also. Uh, give it a few years. Maybe they'll do it again. Remember when they used to get 60? Yeah. All the guys with one-off cars. Was it, it wasn't that long ago either. No, it really wasn't. It was like 10 years ago. Uh, maybe 15. But, um, yeah, they had the dual races, and I believe they took the top 10 out of them, and then they would just run those, I think, heads up out of each race to start the, to set the lineup. And then they took a specific amount out of, I think, what, one or two LCQs? I don't know. I didn't write down who won the LCQs because I don't care. Uh, they're going to run in the back anyway. <laughs> we all know that. Um, but in duel number one, uh, even these had a lot of cautions in them. But Ronnie Silk won duel number one, and he pocketed that money. And Ryan Priest was running Old Blue this weekend for the Bowler family. And he won duel number two. So that was uh, good to see. So they pocketed some change, and they were going to start front row for the feature. Again, I didn't write down LCQ results because, again, they're going to be the guys who run in the back. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest surprise was Bobby Santos didn't make it out of the LCQ. 
like that was probably one of the bigger surprises because I believe they had some kind of a mechanical malfunction and that car just died in the LCQ. Yeah, and there he was ju- just something wrong with that car. He just DNF'd, yeah. And there was, I don't believe there was even provisionals. So they just, if you didn't make it, you didn't make it, which was I, I'm fine with. So that moved us on into Sunday. Now, the coverage, I will say this ahead of time, the coverage was fantastic. I heard rave reviews about the new screen for the scoreboard and uh, video board that's at Stafford. They're also, uh, they still have a lot of different renovations ongoing at the racetrack. So I believe a lot of the infield was still a little bit tore up because they're still doing some stuff. But they're still getting the shows in. I believe uh, they got a new front gate and ticket booth out front with more windows and uh, more midway paving. I think I went over all this stuff before, but I heard rave reviews from people who went to the track, and they said it was beautiful. I mean, it, it was so good, uh, the coverage and whatnot. Oh, the coverage it was, was fantastic. It, at the oh, end of incredible. the cup race, it was we had to balance between, we had to pick between the end of the cup race or the end of Stafford. And Stafford went out. It was way more entertaining. Yeah, because I was at Jesse's house, and his internet is absolute trash. Like, uh, it's atrocious. We all is, know that. It is a dumpster fire. Yeah, welcome to 1995. So I basically grabbed a phone charger and used my phone as a hotspot, because apparently they have 5G there, though. So I used my phone as a hotspot. Great. And I watched data it. charges may apply. <laughs> I have unlimited data, whatever. I pay enough for it. They better give me unlimited. Lame. Um, so I did that and i used my laptop and we streamed the race to my laptop and we that's how like committed i was to watching the stafford race that i literally used my cell phone as a hotspot and watched the race on my laptop from a hotspot from my phone it was and it buffered a hell of a lot less than your internet did my dog crap internet it actually never buffered it never dropped out on me either which was real nice um, <laughs> that's kind of sad, right? But yeah, that's how anyway. we had to work so hard to watch the staff racing. It was worth it. Because oh, it was, it was so amazing. Worth it. Yeah. The coverage is amazing. Uh, I will say that, uh, interviewing Freddie, oh, was it? F- no. Who the hell was it? Bugsy Stevens. Bugsy Stevens. Well, I could have gone a lot better. <laughs> yeah, that didn't go <laughs> Poor too Dave. Well. I feel bad for Dave Barabald. He just softballed some questions in there and was like, <laughs> Dave, you're a true trooper to get some words out of it. He wasn't in yeah, the Yeah, he did talking. a he did a really nice job of salvaging Dave that interview. Did a great job. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. I was like, oh, you can tell stinks. after after Bugsy answered the first question the way he did, Dave was like, Uh-oh. Well <laughs> This is not gonna go well. I felt so bad for him. I'm like, ah, oh, poop, this isn't gonna be good. But he he salvaged a good interview out of it, and that was nice. Uh, so they interviewed a bunch of people. They had nice pictures of uh, past uh, Sizzler winners, and some of them were even competing, and that was cool. Uh, they, a little bit of too much downtime at times, like cro- changeovers and stuff. But I mean, it is a milestone yeah, event. It so. is. It is what it is. They did all the pomp and circumstance that was really kind of necessary. And did you see that trophy? Yeah. Ooh, baby. It's the, it's the 50th, you know? That's a, it looked that's a like the old Winston Cup. Yeah. It had yeah, two tiers. Awesome. The, people don't get enough credit for trophies nowadays. Yeah. Like, Thompson gave away plaques forever. I love the plaques. I'm sorry. The plaques are fun. I like the plaques. But let me be honest, if the YouTube crowd is watching, I like trophies because they're big and yeah. I like them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the plaques because they can mount on my wall easier. 
Yeah, these they're really easy to dust. I'll be honest. Yeah. I don't know if I got I plaques. I got like these, plaques. but that's about it. I don't mind them, but you know, that's whatever. I like unique trophies. I like it. It was it was great. It was very befitting of the event. You know, you don't have some chintzy little trophy. It was huge. I loved it. Um, so anyway, and the purse was huge too, but we'll get to that in a minute because the SK light race started the day off and that was interesting. We had the two leaders, George Bissett, uh, Jr. And Alexander Pearl. Notice I said Alexander, not Alexandra, like certain people (laughs) still do. Uh, they made contact while battling for the lead with a lapped car and crashed out of the lead. Unnecessary contact. There was a lot of multitude of different factors as to why that happened. What's that? The the, the leader? Yeah, when Pearl and Bissett crashed into the lap car. Oh yeah. Well, there was a there's... lot of reasons why. Well, that number one, lap car too high. Yes, lap car get out of the way. That thing looks like it's old enough to be in the near race anyway. It was uh, at least a half a lane too far too high up. It should have been on the apron all the way down the back straight. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. But you don't know that because who's in your ear talking to you? Well, you should be listening because Tapley's usually very good about that stuff. And he's usually yes. saying, hey, leaders are half track behind or half straightaway behind you. He's usually right on that button, especially he's usually really observant, too. He notices those cars that are really slow and he's like, get these things out of the way. Like, God bless them. I love the rent a race car guys, but the people they rent to, they're rolling roadblocks half the time and he's usually right on that so like if you yep. scan him he'll he'll be on it he does so, a really good job up there yeah he, he's a spotter first and a race director second so he does know what he's doing so but yeah um and then um i think Bissett kind of just misjudged how far up the lapped car was kind of expecting him to just be out of the way and just kind of pinched pearl and pearl was like i'm not giving this up because this is for the lead which i would do <laughs> And stuck with it, because that's his lane. And they both made contact, jumped over a lap car, and ended up junked in the fence. I mean, I've had that situation, too. A lot of the times, the leader who's trying to protect the spot is will use that lap car as a pick. Yep. Uh, I remember this in 2002. Uh, it was, we were trying to pass Nick Goggles Bizzano and. <laughs> I remember that guy. And uh yeah, e- even though his glasses were thick, I knew he saw what he was doing because he just chopped me going, you know, trying to pick me into the lap car and I'm like, yeah, Man. old school racer move." I mean, I understand <laughs> you're trying to protect your position, but you know, the hell, man. I'm, I you work hard and like Pearl did, he worked hard to get underneath the guy. He has a right to be there too, especially He can fight for his position. Yeah. Especially how far up you were, you know, and uh Yeah. Long story short, uh, we both headed up into the wall, and I tested out that new Han- that new Hutchins device. Yep. For my ne- head and neck restraint, and it worked out really, really good. And I was sort of shocked at how well it worked out. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I hate that when when you, you get picked. Yeah. You know, it's not like a road race. You, you, you can't pick anybody like no, that. If- at, the, at the end of the day, if your race car steers into another race car. You're at fault, unfortunately. Yeah, that kind of yeah. stinks. But they also don't have spotters, and you, know. you can blame it partially on that, I guess. But you could blame it also on the lap car. You can blame it on just you know. a lot of multitude of things. There's, it could it's be, tough. and it couldn't it's be. Spot- very it tough. could be anything. You know, we could go through yeah. it all day. But end of the day, those two were racing for the lead, and then they were on a hook. 
So it's just, it sucks. It's unfortunate. And I hope that doesn't continue this year. But anyway, again, yellow fever, just race, races ending, or races having a lot of cautions, you know, and I know that at some point in this race, somebody got turned into the turn three wall and they had to repair the fence. I think they had almost an hour and a half combined throughout the entire day of fence repairs, I was told. And just, it's just, a it's really unfortunate because it's the first race of the year and these guys go out there and junk a bunch of race cars and it's like, well, come on, you guys are looking like idiots. Can you, can you just hang on for at least half the season before you start being stupid? But yeah, at just what, at what point are we going to say goodbye to those armpit barriers? Do you think? Oh, I mean, it's, never. it's visually, it's like classic Stafford. I just wonder if at some point it's going to be enough is enough and they're going to put concrete in. I don't like Armco in the way that it takes forever to fix. And people right. people think Armco is a softer hit, but the problem with Armco is when you hit it, you stop. You know? It with concrete, it. with concrete, it's a hard hit either way. You bounce. But with concrete, at least you bounce off it and keep going. You don't just stop. You know what I mean? I mean, I've been there both ways. I've hit Armco and stopped, and it is not fun. I've hit yeah, it a I few remember. times and stopped. Uh, Jesse's hit Armco and stopped. Yes, you've hit. I, I've gone through Armco. Yeah, you've also hit concrete and essentially stopped, but you bounced, bounced off it off and kept it. going. And put my butthole back in my pants. Yeah, you had to reach under there. That hurts. Yeah, and f- put it back in because twice squeezed it out. It, yeah, it does. Yeah, hard enough it'll do that. But yeah, I just you know, it's a tough call. You know, do you want concrete that's hard but you bounce off it, or do you want Armco that gives but you stop when you hit it, and then it I takes think- an hour for you to fix it? It's a tough call. And plus, Armco is very much more cost-effective, I guess, for them. And they've gone over this many a times, and they've explained yeah. it. But it's like, I know, I get it, but it's just it's time-consuming. I almost wonder if they, they put up boilerplate or something, kind of like Oswego has. Just let them scoot down it? <laughs> there's, a, there's a hard hit. Like Pocono used to have, too. Oh, I don't think boilerplate's the, <laughs> the answer here. I, I think know. that's kind of... No, I know. It's a good idea. You throw an idea there's out something. there, but... Yeah, or, just... or even like Watkins Glen, they have the double layer of the Armco where it doesn't give as much. I mean, it gives, but it doesn't. Water, apart, you know, Waterford when they had Armco, it was kind of strange because they had a big earth layer behind the Armco, and when yeah. enough people smashed into it, it kind of flattened it out. So yeah, you would still kind of stick to it, but that was like you could still kind of the Armco off would it, but... suck you in if yeah. you even touch it just a little bit. Uh, concrete, if you get a little slideways coming off the corner... You can scoot off it. You anyway. can kind of bounce off of it just a little bit uh, with the Armco. You get sucked right into it. Yeah, it'll pull you in. It will yank you in there hard. Yeah. But anyway, that's a debate for another day. So yeah, SK Lights were an ugly race, but Derek Debus kept his nose clean, and he picked up his first win of the year. He's back in SK Lights again. He's a perennial championship contender and, and champion himself. Okay. So I have a bone to pick with Stafford, and I think Phil does as well. And I usually don't have a bone to pick with Stafford. Uh Uh-oh. I was paying attention to their Twitter, and I pay attention to their social media a lot. Now, they are obviously, and we all know this, they are the track for modified racing because that's what they promote, right? They promoted in one tweet, they said that they had X amount of 
Tor mods, SK mods, and light modifieds, and their counts were good. They never mentioned that the late models were racing on Sunday. They never mentioned it once. And to be fair, their late models, with how much crap I've given them over the years, no matter what, are put on one of the best shows. Are still one of the more exciting programs that they have because they beat the piss out of each other. And this race was absolutely no different. But if you have if you have divisions racing at your track, promote all of them. People are going to come for the modifieds. We all know that. We know you're the track for modifieds. You're going to promote them more than anybody else. They pay the bills. I get it. But promote everyone because there are people who are sitting in the grandstands who came there to watch the late models. I want to say this. As a racer of a lower division car, up north, I didn't feel appreciated. Down here... Oh, God, no. They would make us go dry the track off. They're too modified-centric. I love modifieds. I grew up watching modifieds. Ricky Fuller was one of my heroes. Like, tour mods is New England life. I get it. Mm-hmm. But down here, I'm not just a number. Up there, street stocks, go dry the track. Go fuck yourself. Like, that's how I always felt that I was treated with it. Yeah. And, and it's just not fair to us. You know, they have... Lower purses, I get it, lower division, but a lot of these tracks, 500 bucks for a street stock to win, these cars are way more advanced. The, the cost of the cars keeps going up, up, up. The cost of our operations keep going up, 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 and the purses go the same or down. And, and the popularity goes up. Yeah, and yeah. They, put on, they, they put on killer shows. I mean, and here's a here's a good indicator. It's since I got. I will say too, real quick. I'm not just singling out Stafford on this part. No, this a lot is of people. Every do it. track in New England just doesn't appreciate Fender cars. They don't appreciate lower divisions except, at all. Seacock, Seacock, because that's all, all they have. <laughs> but no. Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> And, yeah, I mean, a good indicator of the cost of how much these things go up is um, it's three times more expensive to buy a car in my division now than when I started. And that was 10-plus years ago. You know, in, fif- in like in like 15... with that, sorry. <laughs> in, like, 15 years, the cost of the car has tripled. Well, I mean, you could... You, well, let's just put it this way. When I have a diesel engine car, and right now diesel fuel is about 540 a gallon up here in Connecticut... Holy shit. Where do you shop? Uh, <laughs> any uh, Anywhere. <laughs> and when we started racing, racing fuel was about 540, 550 gallon, and that was 1999. Yep. Ouch. They took away the gas tax in Connecticut because they wanted to ease the pain of gas prices, but they didn't take away any tax on diesel. Go figure. I, I Go eat your cake. I will be saying this, too, though. I don't think modifieds get paid enough, either. No, I don't think so, either. To be not fair. on a weekly level, absolutely no, not. No, no, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think a lot of these tracks, like you're running 40 lap features at Stafford. I think they pay 1800 bucks to win. Yeah, which is probably um, the a, best around here, to be fair. A 50 lapper on a smaller track for super late models in the south is 2500 bucks to win. Hmm. It's not much different, you think about it. I think difference is probably but, shocks. I mean, yeah. You probably know. about the same level of car, same cost of car. Probably. I don't know. We're kind of spitballing that. But anyway, 
Um, that's the only real beef I have. It's like just, you know, if they're on the card, you can do your modified segment and then at the bottom be like, by the way, we have late models too. And they go, they usually put on a pretty killer show and we got the X amount of that too. You know what I mean? I mean, you, if you you're not going to advertise them, run them on Saturday then. Like if you don't care about them on Sunday for the Sunday show, just put all the modifieds on Sunday, which I'm fine with that. Like as, as someone who races in one of those lower divisions, I don't care if you put me on Saturday. Yeah, whatever. I mean, like yeah. when, when Josh Venata ran Thompson, we had, uh, we actually could feel like they appreciated us because they're like, Hey, you guys bring good car counts and you're a really exciting show. We're going to put you on Sunday for like the icebreaker or the world series. They put us on like the main day because we put on that kind of a show and had that kind of car count. We yeah, felt appreciated. Was... It was nice. Yep. You know, I liked that. Anyway, so late yeah, model. Just... <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I just, I think Stafford's got the, they're, they're too zoned in on modifieds and they need to kind of broaden it a little bit when it comes to that. And it's even, it's not even really that bad because their, their counts are going up across the board. Just oh yeah, push them a little better. You can, you can type one extra sentence in your tweet. You know what I mean? That's all you really got to do. We want to just, we want, I had no idea that the late models were even running. Like I had no idea. I had to go search for the schedule and I was watching it on flow. Like I watched I Saturday and I'm like, Saturday. I watched Saturday, and I'm like, wait, the late model's not running here? What What's going on? Do they have the weekend off or something? I had no idea they were running Sunday. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, at least I get to watch them. But so <laughs> their race had a really bad case of the yellow fever as well. Good Lord. Oh, it was a battle. Uh, leader Adam Gray and Michael Bennett did their best to crash down the front straightaway. They eventually succeeded. Uh, and they took Wayne Corey with them. <laughs> Poor Wayne, just an innocent Poor bystander. Wayne. Wayne's just like scooting by on the bottom. He's like, oh, you guys can go play patty cake idiot over there. Just, and <laughs> whoops. They went full WWE in the middle of the front stretch. Yeah, they just, Adam Gray just dumped the brakes and turned left and missed and wrecked himself harder than he wrecked Michael. He took a swing at him with a folding chair. And he not only caught Bennett with a glancing blow, he hit Corey right in the face. He wasn't even aiming for him. <laughs> I thought, I, I love both those guys so much. They are hardcore, just badass race car drivers. I mean, let's. So much fun to watch. Let's analyze this. I mean, at, at, these guys race each other so hard. And I mean, it's, it's mutual too, you know. And Adam had the lead coming out of four. Michael, he just stuffs the thing in there on the bottom and he's on the apron and he just kind of he has one car length there and he takes all of it and they make contact and he's just kind of rubbing on him and just really hard short track racing was it a smart move eh, probably, probably not, not but it got him next to the leader i mean you can't blame the guy he took a he took a a hole when he saw it and that angered adam because there was probably no room down at the bottom, and he took it anyway and made contact with him, shoved him up the racetrack. So he just kind of door slaps him a few times and then takes a left-hand turn trying to wreck him and uh, upsets his own car, puts himself in a wall, spins Mike out, hooks Wayne Corey. Corey goes in the wall. He gets probably the worst of it. And it's like an innocent bystander, and it's like, you guys are absolutely killing me. You know, you got all season to race each other like idiots, and you can you're doing this now already. 
Nobody learned a freaking thing from that. The only thing that happened was you just wrecked race cars. I mean, congrats. You know, you could have just... Somehow they all... Well, Wayne Corey didn't finish the race, but Bennett and... uh... Bennett finished. I don't think Adam did. I think Gray got back out there because they said something about Gray was coming back out on the track, and I texted you. I was like, oh, boy, here we go. (laughs) I'm like, oh, he's looking for a black 19 car. (laughs) But nothing. I thought he was going to try and wreck him like when he was trying to go for the lead or something. Yeah, I mean, Michael, they must have bent the car the right way because Bennett came in and they pit the thing. And I didn't think he was coming back out, but I guess it wasn't damaged bad. And they fixed it and he comes back out. And I'm like, this thing's a freaking rocket ship. He must have bent it the right way because holy crap, that thing was fast. I don't think there was a. You ever watch his ink car? I don't think there's a single person he didn't hit when he went by him, but, you know, (laughs) because he punted a few guys in absolute desperation to get through the field. And I'm like, holy crap. Drives like that win championships, though. That is true. But it also pisses a lot of people off. It it doesn't win friendships, but it wins championships. There's a fine line, and I hate all the hardos who say, I came here to win, I didn't came here to make friends. Again, I've harped on this so many times on the show. Yeah, but if you make enemies, they're going to make sure you don't win the championship, stupid. I think that they both should have just taken a number and just moved on to another race where they could just race each other hard again. Maybe He's this coming to the iRacing League and wreck you on on Tuesday. I don't. I don't care. I'll just rage quit like usual. Alt F four. No, but again, it was a very spirited effort. I give him a lot of credit. I mean, but I would. I don't know if I'd really try to make enemies this early. I know it was probably not intentional. To make enemies, but again, you gotta understand who you're racing against and et cetera. We all know about this. We've talked about this stuff. Anyway, uh, Michael Ray benefited from all of this, and he took the lead and did not relinquish it, even though Michael Bennett was absolutely on fire coming behind him. Uh, he just didn't have any time to uh, catch him, and Ray ended up winning. Uh, again, it's gonna be exciting all year long, so keep your eyes tuned to the late model division. I guarantee it's going to be just like last year. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be fun. And so, especially, the one I'm most excited about, too, is once Chris Meyer figures out the how to drive those cars and gets more comfortable and gets up towards the front, and he can start brawling with those guys. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, I mean, he had a decent run going, too. I saw he was up within, almost in the top five at one point, and I think something happened to the car. I'm not sure, but he just dropped I off. I think he got punted by somebody. It could have. I didn't see it on camera because I was watching. I didn't see a replay either, but I mean. Yeah, I just saw him way up out of the groove at one point, dropping back. Yeah, and then the marbles all over the tires, and yeah, it just snowballed from there. But Especially there. He had a good run going. He was keeping his nose clean, and it was paying off, and he kept all four on it, so. Uh, that moves us on to the SK race. Uh, again, yellow flag fever completely. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, Paula Root got absolutely dump trucked by. Uh, oh, what's his name? Damn it, I didn't write it down. You mean David Root? Uh, was it David? Yeah, that's right. I get those two mixed up all the time. Yeah, David's in the seventy-five. Yeah, who and, was it that just? Oh, Daniel that? Wesson. That's it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking SK Light, and I'm like, he graduated from there. That's it. Who is it? Yeah, okay. But he got dumped. Yeah, just dump trucked by him in turn one. Did you see his pit road interview? Oh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> I'm like, oh, boy. He's like, maybe I'll get it back out on the track and go find a 92 car. I was like, oh, oh, boy. I was like, uh-oh. 
Are you Already gonna, starting. Going to get suspended from your own damn racetrack. <laughs> Funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. Uh, yeah, and he... Oh, Jimmy blew it, man. Does he qualify? show. Woo! He might qualify for weapon of the week because, man, he was all over it, man. He, he, he gets everything but the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> He was getting after it, though. God, I want him to race SKs at Stafford every goddamn week in that car. <laughs> yeah, same. I Keith want him Rocco, there every week. Please make this happen. Yeah, somebody get Jimmy in one of those cars. I would love to see it because he came to Thompson was running for a while. Or John He's was. so much and, yeah, fun. And it was, it was fun to watch. But uh, I believe he got spun twice, but once it didn't count. And then the second time it kind of did. And, uh, yeah, again, he, yellow, he owned it too. Yeah. Again, yellow flag fever, uh, nothing different than any other division really. I mean, um, it was a great battle between Todd Owen and his, uh, former protege there, uh, Brian Arducci, who's running that new car for cash, petty cash, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it was Big a good respect to Narducci for how he raced. Todd. It was a very good, hard, respectable race. Nobody that was good, hard racing. Nobody you, you getting any better than that. Yeah, I gained I a lot of respect points. You know that was very good. Um, Todd just kept it rolling on the outside. Brian didn't wash him out. I mean, it was you know they may lean on each other a little bit, but nothing yeah. out nothing out of control. It was hard racing. It was, and it was a lot of fun to it watch. Was beautiful racing. It is more fun for me to watch a race like that than to just have the feeling it's like okay well they're coming to turn three and boom just doors somebody out of the way oh there you go i won it's like no i want to see this this is the embodiment of skill and talent is being able to race side by side race hard put on a good show and have it be entertaining and that's what we saw sportsmanship yes counts a lot I'm that sorry. counts it counts for everything well. and we saw more of that when todd owen won by the way so his first on the year already with his title defense started in very good fashion. Keith that makes him the point leader already. Keith Rocco had a shit weekend. He had an awful uh, weekend. Watch your profanity. Oh, sorry, Sid. Uh, but he's going to have... He, he had a terrible weekend. I mean, the tour car got tore up. This car was overheating and got tore up. I mean, just Keith had a bad weekend, man. I think he's got to put the old skins back on the car because this green stuff is just not working out for yeah, him. The coal pickle is not good. It ain't working, man. So anyway, that moved us on to the to the uh, Spring Sizzler Tour Type Modified race, and this was just a a fascinating race because it had oh, some. Yeah. There was some, you know, yellow flag fever as well. Not as bad though. They had there some, was some yellow flag fever. There's there was some choo choo fever. Yeah, a little bit of you know stretching it out too, but not as you're, bad. You're gonna get that though. You're gonna get that when you have that deep of a field. Yeah, you're definitely. When you see get that. that deep of a field, I'm sorry, but you can't just wait for 75. I don't care how many laps it is. You have to yeah. go and go right away. There is no saving tires. There is none of that. When you have that much talent in the field, you have to go and track position is paramount. Well, it almost didn't work out for the guys trying to save tires because they I didn't see a caution coming and then I text Phil I'm like this thing might go green and right then a caution fell so it was like uh, it was past halfway I'd say I was getting closer to 40 to go than 50 to go and they had pit stops and I think Priest actually had a good pit stop for once probably because it wasn't his normal squad <laughs> 
was the bowlers, and they've been around forever, and they know what they're doing. So they got him out very, very well, and he, I think a few cars stayed out. Like, I think Doug Kobe even stayed out, and I'm like, oh, dude, that's a bad move because you're just going to get ate up, and they all got ate up, except for Jimmy Blewett. I think he did a great job holding on to old tires the rest of the race. But on that on that ensuing restart, the uh, the cautions just kept falling in few, a few lap increments, but it was working out for Ryan Priest really, really well because he was able to pick up a few spots because the bottom lane would get clogged up with guys with old tires and he would make hay on the outside. And then the caution would fall and he'd pick up a few spots and then he'd pick up a few more spots. And then he was the first car on fresh tires. And he carved his way to the lead and that followed Matt Hirschman. Well, Matt Hirschman followed him through and it became a two-car race. He and Matt Hirschman battled over the last at least 30 laps for the lead. And I know Matt got by him probably with about 18 to go, something like that. And then they had then they had a few cautions right at the end. And they would swap the lead a few times. I'm trying to remember right now. Nobody came back down to pit road, though, so they didn't have any strategy. They just had driver. And... Yeah, Priest got him on the outside on one of those late restarts. Just he might have jumped the start a hair. By I don't a know. Feet. Yeah, but um, yeah, I can't do anything. But, but anyway, we're um, not done yet, buddy. Yeah, we're not done, kid. We're not and done yet. I'm sorry, but it's going to be a little bit. We still got to talk about national news yet. Yeah, we got a little ways, bud. Sorry. Anyway, um, again, what do I do, Lord? Destroy the child. Yeah. Producer Junior is at the studio. This is their plan, people. These are demons. Get out. We're not your time hasn't come yet. Your time's coming later. Get out. So anyway. Get out. Your time has not come. This is not your show. All right, so anyway. <laughs> Give me a beer. <laughs> oh wait, I'm out. Make yourself useful. Get get Uncle Jesse a beer. I'm out of beer. Damn it. All right, forget it. That might put him out there to make him busy for a little while. Anyway. <laughs> So it was a great battle at the end there between Priest and uh, Hirschman, especially the final restart. And they raced. Well, Priest, the- yeah, they had a restart with four to go, mm-hmm. and Priest actually got by him on the outside. Yeah, and then, had the restart. Yeah, they had a caution, and he started first, and then he bobbled, and the uh, Hirschman got back by him, and then it was just they it was great it with, swapping. And then they got one more lap in, and then another caution falls, and then yeah, I thought yeah. Ryan. There on the last lap going into two, and he was right on his bump. I mean, going into one when he was right on his bumper on the white flag. I thought Ryan was going to send it in and send him up the track. I was waiting for it, but that never I, I was too. It never happened. It was a clean, it was yet another clean, respectable race between yeah, two of the it. between two of the best in the business. Good hard racing, just good hard racing, no cheap stuff, no gimmicks, no nothing. And it was entertaining to the last lap, and it, I loved it. It was great. And Matt Hirschman wins. his. It was his first win at Stafford, and it came in probably one of the biggest races Stafford, probably the biggest race. The greatest race in the history of spring. It might be the best one that they've had because listen to the payout. For second place, Ryan Priest took home, I think, about $12,000 Okay, That was for second place. Matt Hirschman took home the lion's share of about $24,000 for that win. 
That's big. I think it was twenty four thousand one hundred bucks. That's big for this area, absolutely. That's a big payday for a modified race, and that was only a hundred lap modified race. That's a big payday, and he took home that big trophy. And not only that, but yeah, Ryan Priest was like the first person to his window, and he sat down on his window and gave him a handshake and stuff. And that was really cool sportsmanship. I loved to see that. That was really nice. Um, and it was really also really nice to see the bowler car being successful and fast again. That was cool. Yes. Being very relevant. heartwarming, actually. It was a nice reunion because Ryan used to race the bowler car back when he first kind of entered the tour, which was cool. Um, but that also earned Matt Hirschman a seat in the SRX race coming this summer to Stafford. So they had uh, Mike Bassar. No, not Mike Bassar. What's his name? Alan Bestwick. Alan Bestwick. Alan yes, Bestwick. I'm sorry. They had Alan Bestwick there. Mike Massaro is also another local guy, by the way. He's a Connecticut guy who made it big in, I think, ESPN. I say Connecticut yeah. just has the best announcers. I, don't I know. know. It's weird. I think I think <laughs> that uh, Alan's from, I think he came from Seekonk, though. So anyway. Um, All right. We'll change it to New England. Yeah, whatever. It's yeah. close enough to here. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Matt Hirschman. Gets that seat in that SRX race. That's going to be fun to see. I'd love to see what he can do against against these guys. And it was nice to see because usually Matt doesn't show a lot of emotion because when he was sitting in the car after the race, it was just game face still. But when he got out of the car, he was kind of speechless. It was weird to see Hirschman speechless. So, yeah, yeah I, I think I can't wait to see how he does in that car because I don't know how much Fender experience he has. Do you? I don't know much about it at all. I don't know how much. I know much, he's run yeah. a couple K&N races at some point, and that's all I really know about. Yeah. Not too sure. But I know that he will <laughs> come, I think it was June or July. But keep your eyes and posted to the schedule, and you'll find out. They'll definitely be pushing the heck out of it. Yeah, I can't wait for that event. That's going to be really Oh, it's going to be good. CBS is going to cover it again. And they freaking filled the place the last time they were there. And it was like the good first ratings. SRX. Oh, they got yeah. everything. It was awesome. Great ratings. So. I, th- I think it'll be sold out again for sure. It probably already is. <laughs> <laughs> Tickets are probably on sale pretty soon, if not already. But, uh, yeah, uh, it was a great race, I thought coverage was awesome the sizzler was awesome they it was everything you could expect for the 50th annual so kudos to them nice job and uh i will continue to watch whether i'm either there or on flow tv or flow racing i mean and uh it's just genuinely good stuff i enjoy it so anyway very well done broadcast yeah we gotta kind of skim through some national stuff because we're getting kind of long to oh my god how long have we been talking don't panic. It's okay. <laughs> don't panic. Just make it. Just make it good. Oh, I don't care. All right. So national. Jocko does three four hour podcasts. Yeah, we can. Cars crash. People won the end. Yay. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. That's Taldega. Now we there talked. We talked about the Arca race. I think that we just touched on all the major stuff that happened there. I think it was. Uh, what really sucks about that was they shortened it for because of time constraints. And Nick Sanchez won that race because it was like eight laps from the end. They had one car spin, and they threw the yellow. And they're like, nope, you're done. Goodbye. And they still had like an hour and a half before the Xfinity they Series started. It. Yeah, like, they red-checkered the thing. Much of a shit show. Well, they had Go a long on. red flag, and they didn't account for the idea that that might happen in an ARCA race. It's like, you know, if you had bumped the start time up another hour, that would have been fine, and they would have got the whole race in without any issue, even with a long red flag. You could give these people the dignity of getting a whole race in. I mean, come on. It's not like they have any network constraints either. <laughs> not really. I mean, come on. So, 
Saturday the Xfinity the Xfinity Series race ran at Talladega, and they continued the theme of messy races all weekend. I don't know what phase of the moon it was, and I don't believe in that sort of stuff. But when they race at <laughs> Talladega, it, the moon is always full. You can just assume that. Yeah. yeah, it was another messy race. It took like three different overtimes at the end. Just a mess. Uh, Ty Gibbs crashed, so that was nice. Um, yeah. Well, he crashed himself, <laughs> from what I heard. I that was stupid. He puts his hand out the window thinking that it's like a turn signal and just turns across traffic. Like, I hope everybody else does, has a nice day. He <laughs> turns it down the racetrack with his hand out the window. That's not how it works, bro. If the line's coming, they're coming. And if you turn down across them, they're going to freaking spin your dumb ass out. What were you thinking? Jesus. Wrecked a bunch of race cars because of it. It's like, come but on, But my dude. rich granddaddy said this would work. No. <laughs> Wrong. So... By the end, uh, Noah Gregson won that race, uh, but social media's darling was Jeffrey Earnhardt because he ran the three car for Richard Childress, and his name is Earnhardt, and he had Larry McReynolds as a crew chief. And can he, the can the, the Earnhardt Jeffrey Earnhardt meme please die? I, I mean, I don't. I still don't know what to think of the guy because sometimes he'll put in a good run. And then the next day he'll finish like twenty eighth, and it's like I don't know what to think about him. I mean, it's the most forced sell, forced meme I've ever seen, in since Danica Patrick. To be it's fair, awful. he is better than his dad. <laughs> better yeah. than, he's better than Carrie. Carrie, Carrie killed somebody. He murdered him. <laughs> he killed Blaze Alexander. Killed Blaze Alexander. That's why yeah. we have Hans devices. That was that was the final straw. Yeah, no, he he's awful. Yeah, he <laughs> was pretty awful. I, so I was, think. Jeffrey Earnhardt hasn't had enough consistent seat time and good equipment to know how to drive good equipment. He kept his nose clean and ended up with a damn good finish, and that was nice to see. That's all I can really say about it. Seeing that black three car swerving all over the track kind of flashed me back real quick to 2001, though. Or 2000 at Talladega when Dale was... Weaving in and out of the cars, tr- coming back to the front. <laughs> I was going to say, if you saw a black three car swerving in 2001, it wasn't a good thing. So <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. Let's just not say that instead. Um, <laughs> hey, Talladega's going through and, and posting pictures of all the stuff people left behind. That's fun. They always do that every year. Anyway. Ste- Stafford was doing that too, and I was going to make a comment <laughs> and say, wow, that's something you don't see down in Florida. Oh, wait, we don't have fans. But It's because they we, burn we've everything. We've been doing better down here. <laughs> well, that too. People down here, they gather around a trash barrel and start it on fire when it's below 80 degrees. Uh, yeah, I'm freezing. No. Anyway, um, that brought us to the Cup Series race at Talladega. Now, I will say this. Nobody did get upside down, so that's good. Uh, even though the Xfinity Series race tested the uh, safer barriers at every corner of Talladega the night before, um, I do. I I think I was watching like part the Cup race, but mostly Stafford. So my memory of the Cup race is a little bit fuzzy. But it wasn't really an exciting race. It was kind of just par for the course for a Talladega race. The, yeah, they kind of just behaved. Until it started getting late, I think, and then um, it was pretty they got cr- crazy here and there. But they got aggressive here and there. But uh, again, there was there's always going to be some wrecks. I think they had a wreck on the restart, and you can blame who you want. But it's like it's super speedway racing, dude. Everything happens. It just right. does. 
you know. <laughs> but Ross Chastain was the just, I would say, beneficiary, but he took a very conservative approach at the end, said, nope, I'm in this lane, I'm going to stick to this lane. And, very uh, un-Ross Chastain. Yeah, which is weird. And he just kind of, you know, stuck to his, his lane and his guns. Whatever happened around him happened. And it worked out in his favor because he won. And it's funny because it was the same exact car that he won Coda in. They took it, they turned it around, and they put it at Talladega, and it won there too. So it shows the versatility of these new cars, which is amazing. Um, and that's exactly what the vision was for them. I mean, that last lap was really pretty crazy. All the lines seemingly dematerialized at once, and whoever was in some position was in a completely different position, and then cars were wrecking, and it just really worked out for Ross. And uh, Austin Dillon kind of stuck it second place and he's like yeah i got all four on i'm good so yeah Yeah, i'm not in the fence for once yeah they had good races i mean again whoever stayed conservative on the last lap was the one who came away with it which is kind of different because usually somebody takes an aggressive push and they get around somebody and then they block and they win and that's kind of what austin Sindrick did at the 500 this year so that's it's like the exact opposite so it worked out pretty well so uh ross picked up his second win on the year and who had track house winning not only winning, but winning Tra- multiple Track races. Trackhouse went from here with twenty three eleven to way to up here, way up here, that quickly. I think both twenty three eleven cars wrecked through the trioval on the last lap, which yeah, together. Ouch, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they're shut down for the season. No more parts <laughs> ordered there. Oops. Well, that was kind of Kyle yeah. Larson's fault too, wasn't it? Kyle kind of cleared himself. Uh, there was contact. Clear with contact, shove the guy up, and everybody wrecked again. No, that's that's. It's, I, I don't blame the slaves for being lazy. It's a problem with with the sanctioning body. Okay, bless you, said I see. Oh my God. Oh Jesus, the Jesus. man's dying. You need a oh, tissue? That, was a, that was a deep one. <laughs> There's tissue. I, think that I could feel some here. I think I got some on me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to close this thing out by saying the F1 race really kind of sucked. I'll be honest. It was a great racetrack. And it rained. Who cares about the F1 place? Don Garlitz's electric dragster caught on fire. No, it's electric. Who gives a shit? Well, it is Don Garlitz, so I don't know if they put it out yet. It's, on, it's still on fire. <laughs> still on fire. It's been on fire for the last four days. Yeah, it just keeps reigniting because it's electric. All right. So anyway, yeah. Uh, try again when the F1 race is actually in dry conditions. They race at Imola, and I love Imola, and it's got deep history, and it's like, why? This sucks. Anyway, make this new car run on wet or not wet. Just delay the race. Wet, wet racing is terrible. Sucks. Yeah, it don't sucks. Racing in the rain sucks. I don't care because you get you get the wet and not so wet, and then it becomes guess what? A one groove racetrack. As if F one isn't already one groove. Yeah, and if you pull out to pass, now you're on wet racetrack, and I mean, you, what are you going to do? Stop? Nope. I mean, <laughs> it's wet. I mean, here you go. Here's <laughs> you want to know how to make F one racing interesting? Here's a can of duster. I'm walking on sunshine. <laughs> That's how you make F1 racing more incitable. Okay? You huff a bunch of friggin' computer duster. You can find this podcast on every major podcast platform. You can, you find, can find me it walking on, on sunshine. <laughs> you can find it on Instagram at Making Labs Podcast, Facebook.com slash Making Labs Podcast. We're back on YouTube. You can find us at YouTube.com slash Sid's View. You want to send us some feedback, send that to 
makinglapspodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to hear your voice heard and played on the show, send that to anchor.fm slash makinglaps. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at brentgleason01. If I don't friend you on Facebook, please don't take it personally. I really do try to keep that with people I actually know. And if I don't know you, I might not friend you. Just don't take it personally. You can follow me on those other platforms if you like. You can uh, find Phil at... Jake's Racing on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And you can find... Don't find Jesse. He'll find you. Uh, Okay, boy. Get off that board. Just do it nice. How do we end the show? Keep the Duracell down and stay offense. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you all for listening. I do greatly appreciate it. Again, welcome back, YouTube.